This is the Hoboken Grace Podcast. Whether you're in the car or enjoying a walk, we hope you're having a great day. Just like every weekly conversation, we hope today's message deepens your relationship with God and builds into your life in a helpful way. For access to our full podcast library, visit HobokenGrace.com or our app. Excellent. Well, good morning and welcome. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Chris, lead pastor here at Hoboken Grace. And congratulations on making it here on this beautiful day, this wonderful day outside here in Hoboken, New Jersey. And for those of you who are afraid of water and are still at home watching, we still love you as well. But as we move into today, I have a question for you. I had questions as we've moved through this series. I got another question for you. And if you will pull out your phone, I'd love to be able to get your feedback on something. We're planning for Easter. You say, Easter, that's a long ways away. No, it's not. It's right around the corner. And we want to know, we want to know, because we're laying out our Easter plan. And as you know, we're going to have a lot more services than we currently do. We'd like to know how early you would come to an Easter service. How early would you come to an Easter service? Somebody like 1230, 12, like that's how early I would. But what is it? We would love to be able to get your feedback on that. Just let us know. If you haven't been with us, we are in this starting fresh conversation. We've been looking at the process of forgiveness, this light conversation. I've been calling it a light conversation from the beginning because when people experience forgiveness, they always express the same feeling. It feels, I feel so much lighter and we've been looking at, okay, how do we move into this next year and make sure that the baggage from our past doesn't shape our future? How do we move into this, le- this next year and actually take that off, actually get rid of that baggage that for some of us, we've been carrying for decades, for decades. And, and we've... We've been working through not just the fact that, okay, we should forgive, but we've been working through how. If you haven't been with us, all of these conversations on our app or online, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to each of these pieces to the puzzle because of the fact that this really is a process. Forgiveness is a process, and we're working through how this looks, not just in our relationship with one another, but specifically in our relationship with God, and learning from that so that we can actually practice this and experience this together as a family, so that we can practice this and experience this with the people that God has surrounded us with. So if you go back and look at the beginning of the process, we started with the question of evaluation. And so we came in and asked, as it pertains to how we felt we were wronged or how we were hurt, we asked this question, is it sin? Is it Sin. In other words, is what happened to me just a difference of opinion? Is what happened here just the fact that someone made a mistake, that was the, they just forgot or whatever, something small? Or is it actually sin? Was it wrong? Now, I want to say this really quickly because I think some of you are getting caught up here. I've had conversations with multiple people that are getting caught up here, and they're trying to figure out, they're like, I'm not really sure, and I don't know. And uh, Listen, God calls us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so if you're looking and you say, man, I just don't feel like it's love, then move into the next step. Because the next step, the confrontation step, is not you coming in and saying, listen, I know what happened. And that's what we talked about last week, confrontation. Confrontation is not a step that you move into with 
security that you have it all figured out. It's not a step that you move into with clarity. It's a step that you move into for clarity. So even the process that we walked through last week, oh, I see, what's it about? It's about clarification. I don't really know. I'm not really sure. It, feel, it seems like as we move through this that you really didn't value me at all. It seems like you didn't really care about my heart. It seems, it, sometimes it's not gonna be cut and dry, but you still need to move through the process. You still need to move through that conversation of confrontation. Hey, can you clarify this for me. And we saw last week, this is what God does in our life. As God steps into our life, he steps in and he's going to confront sin. He's not going to ignore it. He's not going to sweep it under the rug. He's going to confront sin. Now he doesn't have to get clarity. He has clarity. We have to get clarity. He doesn't, but he confronts sin. And that's how the process begins. Now today I want to build on that and take you to the next step, which is something again, that God calls all of us to if we're going to experience his forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He said, this is, a, this is a reality for all of us. It doesn't matter who you are. We say it all the time. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done. This is a reality for all of us. We're all broken. We all have sin. We all need forgiveness. He says, he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. And so he calls us to this next step. We've walked through evaluation. We've had the conversation. And today we shift a little bit because so far we've been talking about the person who's been wronged. Now we shift to the person who actually wronged. And we talk about, okay, what's their part in this? And the first step that they're going to step into is the step of confession. Confession. So I admit, okay, God says, not only do I want to talk about your sin, but you need to confess it. So you need to acknowledge it. And confession at its core is that. I acknowledge my sin and the way that I, I want for us to think about this, and I'll show you how God teaches us, teaches us this. I acknowledge my sin, and more importantly, my debt. My debt. You say, debt? What are you, what are you talking about, debt? Jesus talks about sin as debt all the time. Even if you go back to last week, you look at that, that story that we read through that Jesus tells about the servant who's forgiven and he's trying to help them understand forgiveness. What is the story? What is the illustration that he uses? He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. He talks about it in terms of debt. There's another really famous place where he talks about sin in terms of debt. You actually know it. Or you've heard it. Maybe it's never hit you before. Maybe you've never thought about it as you were saying it. But even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard this before. A lot of us have it memorized, but you still have never really thought about it this way. Let me take you to that passage, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus' disciples have asked him, how, how should we pray? Like, teach us how to pray. We watch the way that you pray. It's not the way that we pray. There's a different, you have a different relationship with the Father than we do. How should we pray? Jesus says, okay, this then is how you should pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Have you heard that before? I think you have. Many of us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Now some, if you learn this in an older translation, maybe you learned transgressions. You've been saying that your whole life. You have no idea what that means. No idea. The, the more accurate word here is actually debts. And, and Jesus, as he's talking about our transgressions or our sins, he uses this word, debt. He talks about it in terms of debt. And he says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then we talked about this in week one. Many of you didn't realize when we read through this passage in week one that it came right after the Lord's Prayer. Right after he finishes, what does he say? He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We've been living in that tension, haven't we? Some of you are uncomfortable. You're like, okay, we need to resolve the tension. This is, this is just getting uncomfortable for me, this you have to forgive, and then you get to the Lord's Prayer, and you've never really thought about what you were, you were reciting but did you hear what he says? He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You've been reciting that and saying that to God for a long time. This is the first time you've ever thought about it. And you're like, I don't really want it to work that way. Wait, wait, what does it say? God, here's my prayer. I just pray that you would forgive me the way that I forgive other people. That's what you've been praying to God all these years. You're like, I need to take that back. <laughs> so God, there's this thing that I've been saying, and uh, I don't know that that's going to work out in my favor. So, uh, but in this moment, again, you see the tension, but you, more importantly, that's not why I, I took you this passage. I took you this passage because I want for you to see that Jesus, when he talks about sin, he talks about his debt, that you owe And he talks about it this way, not just in terms of our relationship with the Father, not just in terms of our relationship with God, but he talks about it this way in terms of our relationship with one another. And this is, this is really significant because most of us, most of us have a really small view of sin. In other words, we do not understand the impact of it. We severely underestimate the impact of sin in our lives, in the lives of those around us. And so this idea of a debt doesn't really make sense to us. But God steps in and says, you have, sin's way bigger than you thought. And one of the things that he's taught us from the beginning is that two things. One, sin brings death. So from the beginning of the story, he tells us, just know this, sin brings death, and the punishment for sin is death. Well, why is the punishment for sin death? The punishment for sin is death because it's just, because sin brings death. And so when you operate in a way in which you're not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, you're bringing death into not just the world in general, you're bringing death into their life. What happens when you sin, and when we sin against one another, is that we actually rob life from one another. 
We take life from one another. And this is why God says, listen, sin brings death. I remember one of the most significant times that I saw this. My, my son was younger. He was just beginning to play with other kids and realize that there's other human beings that he could interact with in the world. And we went to the playground and I was really excited because for the first time or one of the first times, he ran off to play with other kids at the playground. He was so excited to be able to see other kids that he could play with. And he's always been a really outgoing kid. And so he ran over to play with those kids. And then I see him as he's engaging them do this quick U-turn and he comes running back to me. And he comes running back to me, and he, my son growing up, he had really big eyes. My, I don't know what it is about his head. My son's head is just really big, and everything in it is really big. Like his, he wore the same size hat as me when he's like five years old. So, but, but his eyes are also really big as well, and he had these huge tears in his eyes. And, and I looked at him, and I said, buddy, what's wrong? And he looked up at me, and he said, they said they don't want to play with me. And I looked down at him. And in that moment, the weight of sin hit me. Because I realized, okay, you're never going to be able to engage other people the same way again. Because that, that innocent, hey, I can go up to anybody. Everybody's going to want to play with me. Everybody, I'm going to be loved. Oh, that was gone. In that moment, his whole world, all of that was reshaped. And now his willingness to step into those conversations was going to change. How he felt he was going to be received is going to change. In that moment, that part of his life was gone. Sin takes life. God's not just being metaphorical, hey, it brings death. No, it brings death. One of our staff members and I were talking about it this week, and we asked the question, can you imagine what your life would be like if you'd never been lied to? Can you imagine what your life would be like if you'd never been betrayed? If your trust had never been betrayed? If you'd never been made fun of? If you'd never been excluded? Can you imagine what that would be like? No, you can't. It's that far from your reality. You don't even know what it would be like. Why? 
because sin brings death. To be honest with you, as we were processing that, me and Louise this week, it made me so excited about heaven. So I was like, one day I'll know. One day I'll know. And man, that's going to be a life that's way better than this. When we, when we sin, we take life from one another. And God steps in and says, now you owe. You owe. And as we move, as we move through this, we're going to talk about this. Because most of us, most of us, and I'm just going to introduce this concept. We'll break it down further in the coming weeks. Most of us have a view of forgiveness that is unjust. Most of us have a view of forgiveness in which the debt is never actually paid. It's unjust. God is not okay with that. One of the things you see over and over again in Scripture is that God is about justice. And he's about justice because he's love, and love demands justice. And one of the promises God actually makes you is that he says, listen, no one's ever going to hurt you and get away with it. In other words, no one's going to rob life from you and get away with it. I promise you that. I promise you that. What is owed will be paid. And I always, I always say it this way. That's really great news when you've been hurt. It's really bad news when you've hurt somebody. <laughs> you're like, man, when you first hear it, you're like, that's great. It's going to be, oh, wait. <laughs> wait. Wait a second. I owe a lot. I owe a lot. And, and Jesus says, you need to think about, you need to think about sin this way. And you really need to think about forgiveness this way. And so confession, confession is, in the midst of that conversation, hey, listen, can you clarify? Confession is, I acknowledge, no, what I did was wrong, and I owe. I owe you. I recognize. We don't even know the extent of it, but I, I recognize, no, that's taken from you. I owe you. And God calls us to do that in our relationship with him. He also calls us to do that in our relationship with one another. And so in James 5.16, he says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. He says, I want for you to step into confession. Now, let me clarify this really quickly because people are always asking me about feelings as they move through this. Confession is not a feeling, but confession is accompanied by a feeling. That feeling is conviction. 
Confession is not a feeling, but it is accompanied by a feeling. That feeling is conviction. And so in the midst of this conversation or, or in the midst of the confrontation, I realize I'm convicted. I realize what I did was wrong. This is something that I see people make a lot of mistakes with because we believe in grace here. We obviously do. We named our church after it. But we're really, we're really big on grace and this reality that you're saved by grace through faith, not of works. And we talk about it all the time. But one of the mistakes, one of the mistakes that sometimes people make with grace is that they say, okay, if grace is a reality, you should never feel guilt. That's a huge mistake. Because guilt is part of conviction. It's when the spirit steps into your life and says, what you did was wrong. You're guilty of your sin and you owe. Jesus actually says, this is one of the great things about the Holy Spirit that he's sending to be a part of our lives. Listen to the conversation that he has with his disciples in John chapter 16. He says, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. They did not believe that. Like, nope, you can stay. I'd like you, we would like you to stay. He's like, no, it's actually better if I go away. They're all thinking, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. You've been honest with us up to this point, but that seems like a stretch. This is actually for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the counselor or the Holy Spirit will not be able to come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he says, it's going to be for your good. It's amazing. I'm gonna, listen, I got to go because I'm going to send someone better. And here's what he's going to do. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. Great news. No, guys, it's for your good. And he's going to come. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to convict you of your guilt. Wait, did I miss something here? I thought we were talking good. Wait, how did this shift? That doesn't seem good. God says, one of the things that the Spirit does in our life is that he convicts us. And, and conviction is a feeling. It's, it's that feeling of guilt. Now, here's the thing. Again, Oftentimes, people misunderstand this about grace. They say, well, if grace is reality, you should never feel guilt. Wrong. It's actually a step in the process of experiencing grace. It's a step in the process of experiencing forgiveness. It's part of confession. It's the recognition. If I never recognize my guilt, if I never acknowledge it, if I never confess it, I can't be forgiven of it. And so Jesus says, one of the really great things that God's going to do is that he's going to send his spirit to make sure that he convicts you. You're only afraid of that if you don't understand that that's what leads to forgiveness. Now, does he want you to stay there? Does he want you to stay and wallow in your guilt? No. He wants you to experience forgiveness as a result of it but it's still a key piece to the puzzle. But no, I recognize my guilt, I acknowledge it, I confess it so that I can experience and know his forgiveness. And so he says, I want for you, I want for you to confess your sin, to recognize it, to share it, to be honest about it. I'm not afraid of it. I understand that no, this is the path to 
forgiveness. Now, let me, let, me talk about, let me talk about this for just a second, because I know that as we walk through this, people are going to ask this question. I think we've spent too much time here, to be honest, but I'm going to address it for just a second, because some people are going to say, well, what if what I did wasn't wrong? And we've talked about that in terms of evaluation. Like, is it sin? Was it actually wrong? Okay, we got to get clarity. Is it actually wrong? And we've talked a lot about it as if the person who was wronged might be wrong. Look, can I be honest with you? That's not usually the case. Like, I feel like we've spent more time on it than is necessary because that's not usually the case. Usually when, when someone comes to talk to me about what I did wrong, I did something wrong. Most of the time, like 99.9% of the time. And we've talked about, well, what if it isn't? Or what if it isn't? No, you should go into it with the mentality that, no, most of the time it is. But let's say, let's say you're in the midst of the conversation and it's, it's not wrong. And see, so well, I can't. I can't confess if I didn't actually do anything wrong. And that's really important because some of you make the mistake and you think, oh, I'll just speed up this process. And you confess to everything. You confess to everything. You're like, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah, that definitely. That doesn't actually lead to any kind of reconciliation because that shortcuts and actually undermines the steps that are going to come after this. And so if you actually didn't, if you actually look at it and say, no, I, I really didn't do anything wrong, you shouldn't actually confess to something that you didn't do. And I, I, you know, I'm hesitant to bring this up, but husbands, it's not always great to just say, my wife's always right. Wives are going to kill me after today. Like, what are you doing? We've been working for generations to build that. Generations. (laughs) But you shouldn't just confess to it to be able to end the conversation. That's not forgiveness, and that doesn't lead to reconciliation. So there needs to be an honest evaluation. And so what if it isn't wrong? What, what do I do? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, I can confess to not giving the time and thought to how I did something. There's a lot of different times where, man, uh, yeah, I, I'm in the midst of a conversation and someone's sharing with me, and what I was trying to do or what I, what I necessarily communicated, I look at it and I say to them, listen, uh, if I could go back, I would do that differently. You know what? You're right. If I could go back, I would do that differently. And I thought I'd given it the time and energy that it needed, but I didn't. Or you know what? I just rushed through it, and I didn't consider you the way that I should have considered you. And I'm sorry. Like, that's really not acceptable. That's not okay. And so you can, you can address how you did it. Another thing is I can express empathy in the situation. Not me personally, because I don't feel empathy. But some of you can. Like, you can express, no, I'm kidding. I do experience it, even though everyone says I don't. My, we, had, we did a parenting conference yesterday, and I'm still hurt because of this. I have to confront my dad. Because he's, he said on stage that I don't feel emotion. And I said, I, I cry on stage every week. I cry on stage every week. I don't know what you're talking about. But but if you're like Anthony, you can express empathy in the situation and be able to say, listen, man, it hurts me to see you hurt. 
And I don't, I didn't want, I don't want your heart to hurt. And it hurts me. One of the things that we do in one another's lives is not just that we laugh together, but that we cry together, that we carry each other's burdens. God talks about us carrying each other's burdens. That's empathy. That's me stepping into your life and saying, I want to carry that too. And it hurts. And I know what you're going through is hard. And I'm not just here to be part of the confrontation. What did we talk about a couple weeks ago when we said we don't just want to know that we should, but we want to know how? What did the Pharisees do? They heap heavy burdens on other people's shoulders and they do nothing to help. That's not what we want to do. I'm not just in here to say, hey, listen, you need to address this or you need to fix this, but I'm also, I want to be part of that with you. I'm going to carry that burden with you. I can express that empathy. That goes so far in those conversations. So far in those conversations. And then the other thing that you can do in those situations is to speak to, listen, I did not intend to hurt you. And I see the way that you're experiencing what happened. I did not mean for that to happen. That was not my intention at all. Now, let me address this. Let me address this really quickly because there's this really destructive idea in our culture that we have to completely reject. And that is this, it's the idea that intentions don't matter. And this idea is gaining traction in our culture really quickly. If you don't believe me, just Google the word intention and see how many articles come up that say just that, intentions don't matter. Listen to me, that is not biblical, that is not what God teaches. And as Jesus steps into our life, one of the things that he says is, wait, 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 wait. you guys are obsessed with, with what's happening out here. You should care a lot more about what's happening in here. In other words, intention is actually really significant. L listen how he says it about the Pharisees, because they're going back and forth about what they eat and cleaning their hands and all of, all of the things that they'd made up, all this stuff out here. Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 4, 15. Are you still so dull? He's talking to his disciples. And this is the kind, cuddly Jesus that I, everyone always describes to me. He, so Peter asks him, he just told a parable. Peter asks him, explain this parable to us. Jesus starts off and says, are you still so dull? This is the translator's version. Uh, he's, he's really trying to make it easy for you to handle the fact that Jesus is looking at his disciples and saying, are you still that stupid? Are we serious? This was an easy one, guys. Some of the parables are hard. I get it, but come on. You don't even get this one. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. I love that. This, this should be put on a bumper sticker somewhere. But are you still so dull? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Great picture that he's painting here. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. And so he's calling them, he's like, listen, you guys are so obsessed with what's out here. He's like, you gotta focus, you gotta get to the heart of it. And I, I hate this line. Some of you have heard this line, the road to hell is paved with great intentions. Wrong, the road, the road to hell is paved with, self, paved with selfish intentions. And intentions, in, intention matters. What the other person intended matters. And you got to be careful with this, especially as it, as it pertains to words. 
Because I keep hearing this, it doesn't matter. What you intended doesn't matter. If that's the case, we will never understand one another. Ever. Because in order for me to be able to understand you, I have to be able to dig deeper in what you said. Unless maybe, maybe you say everything perfectly every time you say it. Maybe you're that person. Maybe you're a phenomenal wordsmith and you've never misspoken in your entire life. Maybe everything you say is perfectly what you intended. You should take my job. <laughs> because that's not me. And there's so many times when I walk off the stage and I talk to Justin, I'm like, oh, or I talk to Kyle, man, I wish I could, uh, I just wish I could go back and rephrase that because that's not actually what I intended to say, but that is what I said. And a big part of learning how to understand or a big part of understanding one another is to be able to move into conversation and to be able to hear something and say, wait, 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 I'm not sure that's really what you intended. And to get to the intention behind what's happening, not just the action of what's happening. I love this about Justin. I, I, most of you know Justin. He's up here on stage frequently doing, leading us through silence. And, and one of the things that I love about Justin is that it, Justin is constantly seeking to understand. Now, the frustrating thing is that if you have a conversation with Justin, it takes twice as long as a normal human being. <laughs> twice as long. Because, and my mom actually does this too, but you'll say something to them and then they'll, they'll look at you and say, okay, so what I hear you saying is, and then they'll paraphrase it back to you. And you're like, do we need to do this? Is this necessary? Like, but there's been so many times where we've been in that process and he'll paraphrase it back to me. And I'm like, no, no, that's not actually what I mean. And then what he does is he gives me the opportunity to be understood Because, listen to me, Justin doesn't just have a relationship with my words. He has a relationship with me. And so he wants to know me. What's, what's behind that? What's the intention? What, it matters. And we have to seek to understand each other. And so it matters in that moment to be able to say, listen, that was not my, I did not intend to hurt you. Now, does that mean it wasn't sin? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Sometimes you can unintentionally sin against somebody. I'll give you an example. So when my son was younger, I was working on his Hall of Fame baseball career. And so we were in the backyard, and I was teaching him how to be able to swing, and we had the tee set up, and, and we're working through it, and working through weight transfer, and okay, how do you get, how do you really get behind that ball, and you're going to drive that ball five feet in the middle of the yard, it's going to be amazing. So we're working through the whole thing, and, and I get him all set up, get his feet just right, and I'm sit, standing there, and I say, okay, just a second. And... Apparently, he heard just a second as swing as hard as you can. My son has never swung a bat better in his life. I mean, the weight, he listened to everything I said. The weight transfer was perfect. And what made it even better is he had the perfect Ken Griffey Jr. release. 
So some of you know what I'm talking about. Aaron Judge is similar. So where Ken Griffey Jr., when he gets to here on a swing, would let go so that the ball would, the bat would perfectly arc around behind him. It's beautiful. It's one of the most graceful things you've ever seen. Well, he hit that ball so well and then let go perfect arc until it hit my cheek right about there. And that thing smashed into my face. I thought my cheek was broken. You can go back. I think we have the messages after it. My cheek is all black and blue as I'm speaking on stage. I mean, he crushed me. He's never swung a bat that well in his life since then. (laughs) Now, did my son intend to hit me with the bat? We'll never know. (laughs) We'll never know. I'm guessing not. Did he sin against me? Did he take something from me? Yes. Mainly five minutes of my consciousness. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't hit someone. Like, I would say, no, that's wrong. Does his intention matter? Is it the same as someone walking up to me and hitting me in the face with a bat? No, it's not the same. It's not even close to the same. Should he apologize? Should he say, hey, listen, I'm really sorry. Yeah. I unintentionally sin all the time. All the time. You say, well, no, I didn't intend. This is the flip side of it. I I didn't intend that. I'm not going to confess to it. I'm not going to acknowledge. Why? Why? (laughs) One of the things my son says to me, I'm working through this. He says, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. What? What is that? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What is your, is your pride so great that you can't acknowledge that you always unintentionally sin? That you do it constantly? This is why I should, I don't have time. This is why it drives me crazy when people are like, hey, listen, you need to examine your life and see whether or not you're good enough to be able to take communion. You've never been good enough to take communion. You unintentionally sin all the time. Why is your pride so great that you can't confess? Because you don't believe confession leads to forgiveness. When you realize confession leads to forgiveness, you don't have to... You don't have to run from it anymore. You don't have to run from it anymore. And so, yeah, sometimes it's not. But most of the time, most of the time, you know what we just need to do? Man, I'm sorry. I owe I owe you. I'm sorry. I I recognize what I did was wrong, intended or not. What I did was wrong. I'm sorry. And to embrace confession. Now, again, as we come to this week, I don't want you to practice this yet. As it pertains to the one that we identified or the situation that we identified in week one. But I do, I do want you to practice this with God. And so last week, I told you, 
Listen, is there a conversation you're avoiding with God where he's saying, listen, there's nothing we need to talk about in your life, where he's confronting your sin? This week, I want to call you into confession. And maybe for some of you, for the first time, for you to go to God and say, I owe, and I can't pay my debt. I owe you. I owe the people around me. I owe. And I need to be forgiven. I owe. Don't run from it. It's what leads to forgiveness. I owe. And I need to be forgiven. Will you pray with me, Father? I thank you that you love us so much that you don't just ignore our sin. You don't just, you don't allow it to really be part of the relationship anymore because of the reality of forgiveness. And I pray that we would just trust you on this journey, that we would trust you enough to engage that confrontation, that we wouldn't run from it, that we would trust you enough to engage confession, that we wouldn't allow our pride to keep us from that release, the beauty, the joy, the weightlessness of forgiveness. And so, Father, today we confess. Not just, not just the sins that we know of. Not just those moments where we have intentionally walked away from you, where we have intentionally ignored you, where we have intentionally dishonored you, where we have intentionally hurt, but we also acknowledge and confess that there's so much more than that that we may or may not even be aware of. We don't want to experience just a bit of your forgiveness. We want to be completely forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.